Hello, my name is Nick. If you are listening to this, you are probably one of my classmates or someone who's also trying to get through PT school, to which I say hello. Um, with these podcast uploads, I'm trying to make my studying a little bit more efficient for anatomy and maybe some other classes as well. But to start, I'm going to be going over the origin, insertion, innervation, and action of the muscles of the superficial back and scapular region. So let's start off with the trapezius. The origin of the descending part of the trapezius is the occipital bone and spinous processes of C1 to C7. The origin of the transverse part of the trapezius is the aponeurosis of T1 to T4 spinous processes. The origin of the ascending part of the trapezius is the spinous part, uh, spinous processes of T5 to T12. The insertion of the trapezius, the descending part is the clavicle, lateral one-third. The insertion of the transverse part of the trapezius is the acromion. The insertion of the ascending part of the trapezius is the scapular spine, and they are all innervated by the spinal accessory nerve, uh, CN number 11. And the action of the trapezius steadies the scapula on the thorax. The action of the descending part of the trapezius draws the scapula obliquely upward, rotates the glenoid cavity superiorly, tilts the head to the same side, and rotates it to its opposite. The action of the transverse part of the trapezius draws the scapula medially, and the action of the ascending part of the trapezius draws the scapula medially downward. Moving on to the latissimus dorsi. So, the origin of the vertebral part of the latissimus dorsi consists of the spinous processes of T7 through T12 vertebrae and the thoracolumbar fascia. The, scap the origin of the scapular part of the latissimus dorsi consists of the inferior angle of the scapula and the origin of the costal part of the latissimus dorsi consists of ribs 9 through 12 and the origin of the iliac part of the latissimus dorsi is the iliac crest, the posterior one-third of the iliac crest, to be more specific. The insertion of the latissimus dorsi is the floor of the intertubicular groove of the humerus. The latissimus dorsi is innervated by the thoracodorsal nerve, C6 through C8. And the action of the latissimus dorsi is internal rotation, adduction, extension, and respiration. I said that weird. Respiration, not respiration. But you know what I meant. Moving on to the levator scapulae. The origin of the levator scapulae is the transverse processes of C1 through C4. The insertion of the levator scapulae is 
on the superior angle of the scapula, the medial border of the scapula between the superior angle and the superior portion of the spine. It's between the superior angle and the superior portion of the spine. The innervation of the levator scapulae is the dorsal scapular nerve C4 to C5. And the action of the levator scapulae draws the scapula medially upward while moving inferior, while moving inferior angle medially, and it inclines the neck to the same side. Moving on to the rhomboid minor, the origin of the rhomboid minor is the spinous processes of C6 and C7. The insertion of the rhomboid minor is the posterior medial border of the scapula at the level of the spine. The innervation of the rhomboid minor is the dorsal scapular nerve C4 to C5. And the action of the rhomboid minor is to steady the scapula, draw the scapula medially upward, uh, retract the scapula, and tilt the glenoid cavity inferiorly. Moving on to rhomboid major, the origin of the rhomboid major is the spinous processes of T1 to T4 vertebrae. The insertion of the rhomboid major is the medial border of the scapula below the scapular spine. The rhomboid major is innervated by the dorsal scapular nerve of C4 to C5. And the action of the rhomboid major is to steady the scapula, draw the scapula medially upward, retract the scapula, and tilt the glenoid cavity inferiorly. So rhomboid major and rhomboid minor have the same innervation and actions. So moving on to the scapulohumeral muscles, we have the deltoid. The origin of the clavicular part of the deltoid is the lateral one-third of the clavicle. The origin of the acromial part of the deltoid is the acromion. And the origin of the spinal part of the deltoid is the scapular spine. The deltoid is innervated by the axillary nerve C5 to C6. And the action of the clavicular part of the deltoid consists of flexion, internal rotation, and adduction. The action of the acromial part of the deltoid consists of abduction. And the action of the spinal part of the deltoid consists of extension, external rotation, and adduction. Moving on to our next muscle, we have the teres major. The origin of teres major is the inferior angle of the scapula. The insertion of teres major is the medial lip of the intertubicular sulcus of the humerus. Teres major is innervated by the lower subscapular nerve of C5 through C7. So C5, C6, C7. And the action of teres major uh, consists of internal rotation, adduction, adduction, and extension. Moving on to our next muscle, we have the supraspinatus. The origin of supraspinatus is the supraspinous fossa of scapula. The insertion of the supraspinatus is the greater tuberosity of the humerus. Supraspinatus is innervated by the suprascapular nerve C4 to C6. 
And the action of supraspinatus is abduction, abduction. Moving on to infraspinatus, the origin of infraspinatus is the infraspinous fossa of the scapula. The infraspinatus inserts onto the greater tuberosity of the humerus. Infraspinatus is innervated by the suprascapular nerve of C6, uh, C4 through C6, excuse me. And the action of infraspinatus is external rotation. Moving on to teres minor. Teres minor, the origin of teres minor is the lateral border of the scapula. Teres minor inserts on the greater tuberosity of the humerus. Teres minor is innervated by the axillary nerve C5 to C6. And the action of teres minor consists of external rotation and weak adduction. Moving on to subscapularis, the origin of subscapularis is the subscapular fossa of the scapula. The insertion of subscapularis is the lesser tuberosity of the humerus. Subscapularis is innervated by the lower and upper subscapular nerves of C5 and C6. And the action of subscapularis is internal rotation. Moving on to the muscles of the pectoral region, we have pectoralis major. Pectoralis major's origin comes from three different parts. So the clavicular part of pectoralis major uh, originates at the clavicle medial half. Uh, the sternal costal part of pectoralis major originates at the sternum and costal cartilage of ribs one through six. The abdominal part of pectoralis major originates at the rectus sheath, the anterior layer of the rectus sheath. The insertion of pectoralis major is the lateral border of the crest of the intertubercular groove of the humerus. Pectoralis major is innervated by the medial and lateral pectoral nerves C5 through T1. We can think of the brachial plexus with that. And the action of pectoralis major or actions are consists of shoulder adduction, adduction, and internal rotation. The clavicular and sternocostal parts consists of shoulder flexion, assists in respiration when the shoulder is fixed. Moving on to pectoralis minor. The origin of pectoralis minor is our ribs three through five near the costal cartilage. The insertion of pectoralis minor is the scapula, the coracoid process to be exact. Pectoralis minor is innervated by the medial pectoral nerve C6 through T1. And the action of pectoralis minor is to draw the scapula downward, causing the inferior angle to move posterior medially, and it also rotates the glenoid cal cavity or rotates the glenoid inferiorly, assisting in respiration. Moving on to subclavius, the origin of subclavius is the first rib. 
the insertion of sub subclavius is the inferior surface of the clavicle. The innervation of subclavius is the nerve to subclavius, C5, C6. That should be an easy one to remember. And the action of subclavius is to steady the clavicle in the sternoclavicular joint. Moving on to serratus anterior. The origin of serratus anterior is from the first to the ninth ribs. The insertion of serratus anterior is the costal aspect of the medial border of the scapula. Serratus anterior is innervated by the long thoracic nerve C5 through C7. And the action of serratus anterior is broken up into three parts. So the action of the superior part of serratus anterior lowers a raised arm. The action of the entire muscle of serratus anterior consists of protraction, elevating the ribs when the shoulder is fixed. And the action of the inferior part of serratus anterior rotates the scapula laterally. So moving on now to the muscles of the arm, the anterior arm to be more specific, we have our biceps brachii. The origin of the short head of the biceps brachii is the coracoid process of the scapula. That is the short head. The short head is the coracoid process of the scapula. And the origin of the long head of the biceps brachii is the supraglenoid tubercle of the scapula. Once again, the long head, the origin of the long head of the biceps brachii is the supraglenoid tubercle of the scapula. Biceps brachii inserts onto the radial tuberosity and bicipital aponeurosis. Biceps brachii is innervated by the musculocutaneous nerve at C5 and C6. And the biceps brachii has multiple actions. So the biceps brachii consists of elbow joint flexion, supination, shoulder joint flexion, stabilization of humeral head during deltoid contraction, abduction, and internal rotation of the humerus. So moving on to the brachialis. The origin of the brachialis is the humerus, the distal half of the anterior surface. The insertion of the humerus, the insertion of the brachialis, excuse me, is the ulnar tuberosity. The innervation of the brachialis is the musculocutaneous nerve, C5, C6, and the radial nerve, C7. The action of the brachialis is elbow flexion. So moving on to the coracobrachialis. The coracobrachialis originates at the coracoid process of the scapula. The insertion of the coracobrachialis is the humerus in line with the crest of the lesser tuberosity. Coracobrachialis is innervated by the musculocutaneous nerve, C6, C7. And the actions of coracobrachialis consist of 
shoulder flexion, adduction, adduction, and internal rotation. So moving on to the posterior arm, we have our triceps brachii. So the origin of the long head of the triceps brachii is the infraglenoid tubercle of the scapula. The origin of the lateral head of the triceps brachii is the posterior humerus proximal to the radial groove lateral intermus intermuscular septum. And the origin of the medial head of the triceps brachii is the posterior humerus distal to the radial groove medial intermuscular septum. The insertion of the triceps brachii is the olecranon of the ulna. The triceps brachii is innervated by the radial nerve. And the actions of the triceps brachii consists of elbow extension and the long head of the triceps brachii consists of shoulder extension and adduction, adduction. Moving on to the anconius, the origin of the anconius is the lateral epicondyle of the humerus. The insertion of the anconius is the olecranon of the ulna. Uh, the anconius is innervated by the radial nerve, C7, C8, T1. And the actions of the anconius consists of assisting the triceps in elbow extension, stabilizing the elbow joint, and abducting, abducting the ulna during forearm pronation. So moving on to the muscles of the forearm, we have the anterior compartment. We will start off with pronator teres. The origin of the humeral head of pronator teres is the medial epicondyle of the humerus. The origin of the ulnar head of the pronator teres is the coronoid process. The pronator teres inserts on the lateral radius distal to supinator insertion. The pronator teres is innervated by the median nerve, C6, C7. The action of pronator teres consists of uh, forearm pronation and weak elbow flexion. Moving on to the flexor carpi radialis. The origin of flexor carpi radialis is the medial epicondyle of the humerus. The insertion of flexor carpi radialis is the base of the second metacarpal. Flexor carpi radialis is innervated by the median nerve, C6, C7. And the actions of flexor carpi radialis consist of wrist flexion and abduction, abduction, ra uh, radial deviation of the hand. <clears throat> Excuse me. Moving on to the palmaris longus. The origin of palmaris longus is the medial epicondyle of the humerus. The insertion of palmaris longus is the palmar aponeurosis. 
and the palmaris longus is innervated by the median nerve C7, C8. And the actions of palmaris longus consist of wrist flexion, tightens palmar, palmar aponeurosis, and weak elbow flexion. So wrist flexion tightens palmaris aponeurosis and weak elbow flexion. Hope I read that correctly. Um, now moving on to the flexor carpi ulnaris. The origin of the humeral head of the flexor carpi ulnaris is the medial epicondyle. The origin of the ulnar head of the flexor carpi ulnaris is the olecranon. The insertion of flexor carpi ulnaris is the pisiform hook of hamate and the base of the fifth metacarpal. The flexor carpi ulnaris is innervated by the ulnar nerve C7 through T1. And the action of flexor carpi ulnaris consists, the actions of flexor carpi ulnaris consists of wrist flexion and adduction, adduction, ulnar deviation of the hand. Moving on to flexor digitorum superficialis. The origin of the humeral head of flexor digitorum superficialis is the medial epicondyle. The origin of the ulnar head of flexor digitorum superficialis is the coronoid process. The insertion of flexor digitorum superficialis is the sides of middle phalanges of the second through fifth digits. I'll say that again. The insertions of flexor digitorum superficialis consists of the sides of the middle phalanges of the second to fifth digits. Flexor digitorum superficialis is innervated by the median nerve C8T1 and the actions of the flexor digitorum superficialis consists of flexion of the wrist, MCP, and PIP joints of second to fifth digits, and it also consists as it also consists of a, a weak elbow flexor, or acts as a weak elbow flexor, excuse me. Moving on to flexor digitorum profundus, the origin of the flexor digitorum profundus is the ulna, the proximal two-thirds of flexor surface, and the interosseous membrane. The insertion of flexor digitorum profundus are the, or insertions, are the distal phalanges of the second to fifth digits on the palmar surface, and flexor digitorum profundus is innervated by the median nerve C8T1 on the medial half and the ulnar nerve C8T1 on the ulnar half. So the flexor digitorum profundus is innervated by two nerves, the median nerve on the medial half 
and the ulnar nerve on the ulnar half. The action of flexor digitorum profundus, or actions, because most of these are actions. I don't know why I keep saying action. It's plural, so forgive me. The actions of flexor digitorum profundus consists of flexion of the wrist, MCP, PIP, and DIP of second to fifth digits. Moving on to the flexor pollicis longus, the origin of the flexor pollicis longus is the radius, the mid-anterior surface of the radius, and adjacent interosseous membrane. The insertion of the flexor pollicis longus is the distal phalanx of the thumb on the palmar surface. The flexor pollicis longus is innervated by the median nerve, C7, C8, and the actions of flexor pollicis longus consist of wrist flexion and abduction, abduction, radial deviation of the hand, flexion of the carpo-metacarpal joint of thumb, MCP, and PIP flexion. Moving on to pronator quadratus. The origin of pronator quadratus is the distal quarter of the ulna on the anterior surface. The insertion of pronator quadratus is the distal quarter of the radius on the anterior surface. The pronator quadratus is innervated by the median nerve C7, C8. And the actions of pronator quadratus are, is whatever, hand pronation, distal radio, and distal radio ulnar joint stabilization. So now we're going to move to the posterior compartment. We will start off with the brachio radialis, and by posterior compartment, I mean the posterior compartment of the forearm. We will start with the brachioradialis. The origin of the brachioradialis is the lateral supraepicondylar, starting over. The origin of the brachioradialis is the lateral supraepicondylar ridge of the distal humerus and the lateral intermuscular septum. The brachioradialis inserts on the styloid process of the radius, and the brachioradialis is innervated by the radial nerve, C5, C6, C7, and the action of the brachioradialis, or actions, I gotta say actions, keep messing that up. The actions of the brachioradialis consist of elbow flexion and forearm semi-pronation. Moving on to the extensor carpi radialis longus. 
The origin or origins of extensor carpi radialis longus are the lateral supracondylar ridge of the distal humerus and the lateral intramuscular septum. The insertion of the extensor carpi, excuse me, the insertion of the extensor carpi radialis longus is the base of the second metacarpal and the innervation of extensor carpi radialis longus is the radial nerve C6, C7. The extensor carpi radialis longus has a few actions as well, consisting of wrist extension and abduction, abduction, radial deviation, and also weak elbow flexion. Moving on to extensor carpi radialis brevis, the origin of extensor carpi radialis brevis is the lateral epicondyle of the humerus. The insertion of extensor carpi radialis brevis is the base of the third metacarpal. The extensor carpi radialis brevis is innervated by the radial nerve C7, C8. And its actions consist of wrist extension and abduction, abduction, radial deviation, and weak elbow flexion. Moving on to extensor digitorum. The origin of extensor digitorum is the lateral epicondyle of the humerus. The insertion of extensor digitorum is the dorsal digital expansions of the second to the fifth digits. The innervation of extensor digitorum is the radial nerve, C7, C8. And the actions of extensor, extensor digitorum are wrist extension, MCP, PIP, and DIP of the second to fifth digits, extension slash abduction, abduction of the fingers. Moving on to extensor digiti minimi, the origin of extensor digiti minimi is the lateral epicondyle of the humerus. The insertion of extensor digiti minimi is the dorsal digital expansion of the fifth digit. The innervation of extensor digiti minimi is the radial nerve. And the actions of extensor digiti minimi consist of wrist extension, ulnar adduction, adduction of the hand, MCP, PIP, and DIP of the fifth digit extension and abduction. That's a fun one to say. Extensor digiti minimi. But moving on to extensor carpi ulnaris. The origin of extensor carpi ulnaris is the lateral epicondyle of the humerus and the ulnar head on the dorsal surface. The insertion of extensor carpi ulnaris is the base of the fifth metacarpal. Extensor carpi ulnaris 
is innervated by the radial nerve, C7, C8, and the action of extensor carpial naris is wrist extension and adduction, adduction, ulnar deviation of the hand. Moving on to the supinator. The origin or origins of supinator consist of the olecranon, the lateral epicondyle of the humerus, the radial collateral ligament, and the annular ligament. The insertion of supinator is the radius between the radial tuberosity and insertion of pronator teres. The supinator is innervated by the radial nerve C6, C7, and the action, excuse me, of the supinator is radio ulnar joint supination. Big surprise. The supinator does supination. Moving on to the abductor pollicis longus. The origin of abductor pollicis longus is the are the radius and ulna on the dorsal surfaces and the interosseous membrane. The insertion of abductor pollicis longus is the base of the first metacarpal. Abductor pollicis longus is innervated by the interosseous nerve from the deep branch of the radial nerve, C7, C8. And the actions of the abductor pollicis longus consist of abduction of the hand at the radial ulnar joint, that's abduction, and carpometacarpal joint of thumb abduction, abduction. Moving on to extensor pollicis brevis. The origin of extensor pollicis brevis is the posterior surface of the radius and also the interosseous membrane. The insertion of extensor pollicis brevis is the base of the proximal phalanx of the thumb. The innervation of extensor pollicis brevis is the radial nerve C7, C8. And the actions of extensor pollicis brevis consist of abduction, abduction of the radiocarpal joint, radial deviation, and extension of the carpometacarpal and MCP of thumb. Moving on to extensor pollicis longus. The origins of extensor pollicis longus are the posterior surface of the ulna and the interosseous membrane. The insertion of extensor pollicis longus is the base of the distal phalanx of the thumb. Extensor pollicis longus is innervated by the radial nerve C7, C8. And the actions of extensor pollicis longus consist of wrist extension and abduction, radial deviation of the hand, thumb carpometacarpal adduction, MCP, and IP joint of thumb extension. And lastly, 
we have extensor indicus. The origin of extensor indicus is the origins of extensor indicus are the posterior surface of the ulna and the interosseous membrane. The insertion of extensor indicus is the posterior digital expansion of the second digit. Extensor indicus is innervated by the posterior interosseous nerve from the deep branch of the radial nerve, C7, C8. And the actions of extensor indicus consist of wrist extension, MCP, PIP, and DIP of second digit extension. Moving on to the hand, we are going to start off with the abductor, abductor pollicis brevis. The origin of abductor pollicis brevis is the scaphoid bone and the trapezium and the flexor retinaculum. The insertion of the abductor pollicis brevis is the thumb, the base of the proximal phalanx via radial sesamoid. The abductor pollicis brevis is innervated by the median nerve, C8, T1, and the action of abductor pollicis brevis is CMC joint of thumb abduction, abduction. Next, we have flexor pollicis brevis. The origin of flexor pollicis brevis on the superficial head is the flexor retinaculum. And the origin of the flexor pollicis brevis of the deep head is the capitate bone and the trapezium. The insertion of the flexor pollicis brevis is the thumb base of the proximal phalanx via radial sesamoid. The superficial head of the flexor pollicis brevis is innervated by the median nerve C8T1, and the deep head of flexor pollicis brevis is innervated by the ulnar nerve C8T1. The actions, the action of flexor pollicis brevis consists of CMC joint of thumb flexion. Moving on to opponent's pollicis. The origin of opponent's pollicis is the trapezium. The insertion of opponent's pollicis is the first metacarpal on the radial border. Opponent's pollicis is innervated by the median nerve, C8T1. And the action of opponent's pollicis is CMC joint of thumb opposition. Moving on to the adductor pollicis, the origin of the transverse head of adductor pollicis is the third metacarpal on the palmar surface, and the origin of the oblique head of adductor pollicis is the capitate bone, second and third metacarpal bases. The insertion of adductor pollicis is the thumb, the base of the proximal phalanx, via ulnar sesamoid. Adductor pollicis is innervated by the ulnar nerve C8T1 
and the action of adductor pollicis is CMC joint of thumb adduction and MCP joint of thumb flexion. Moving on to abductor, abductor, digiti, minimi, my favorite one. The origin of abductor digiti minimi is the pisiform bone. The insertion of abductor digiti minimi is the fifth proximal phalanx ulnar base and dorsal digital expansion of the fifth digit. Abductor digiti minimi is innervated by the ulnar nerve C8T1 and the actions of abductor digiti minimi consist of MCP joint of the little finger extension, so MCP joint of pinky of pinky finger flexion, abduction of the pinky finger, PIP and DIP joints of pinky extension. Moving on to flexor digiti minimi. The origin of flexor digiti minimi is the hook of hamate and the flexor retinaculum. The insertion of flexor digiti minimi is the fifth proximal phalanx. Flexor digiti minimi is innervated by the ulnar nerve C8T1. And the action of flexor digiti minimi is MCP joint of pinky flexion. Moving on to opponent's digiti minimi. The origin of opponent's digiti minimi is the hook of hamate and flexor retinaculum. The insertion of opponent's digiti minimi is the fifth metacarpal ulnar border. Opponent's digiti minimi is innervated by the ulnar nerve C8T1. And the action of opponent's digiti minimi draws metacarpal in palmar direction opposition. If I repeated myself twice on that one, I apologize also. Moving on to the dorsal interiosia. In, this one's a hard one to pronounce. The dorsal interosse. Interosse. Sounds foreign. The dorsal interior. Interasse. That's what I think it is. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. The origin of dorsal interasse is the adjacent metacarpals 1 through 5. The insertion of dorsal interasse is the dorsal digital expansion of digits 2 through 4 and the proximal phalanges of 2 through 4. Dorsal interasse is innervated by the ulnar nerve C8T1 and the actions of dorsal interasse. The 
second to fourth digit MCP joint flexion. Excuse me. Had Seltzer before this. That's why I keep having to say, excuse me. The actions of dorsal and terrace, second through fourth digit MCP joint, joint flexion, second through fourth digit PIP and DIP joint extension, and abduction, abduction from third digit. Next, we have Palmer and Tarase. The origin of the origins of the Palmer and Tarase are the second metacarpal, fourth metacarpal, and fifth metacarpal. The insertion of Palmer and Tarase is the dorsal digital expansion digits two, four, five, and the proximal phalanges two, four, five. Palmer interasse is innervated by the ulnar nerve, C8, T1. And the actions of Palmer interasse consist of second, fourth, and fifth digits, MCP, joint flexion, second, fourth, and fifth digits, DIP and PIP, joint extension, and adduction, adduction towards the third digit. And I believe the last muscle on our agenda for today, or for this test at least, is the lum lumbricals, lumbricals. The origin of the lumbricals consists of the tendons of flexor digitorum profundus, the insertion of lumbricals, is the dorsal digital expansions digits two through five. The lumbricals are innervated by the first and second digit median nerve, C8T1, and the third and fourth ulnar nerve, C8T1. And the actions of the lumbricals are Second to fifth digits, MCP, joint flexion, PIP, and DIP, joint extension. I hope that this helps. I will be listening to this in my car to and from the drive to class as part of trying to assist studying and I hope it helps and I apologize if my pronunciations were butchered and for my uh, pauses with my seltzer coming back up but I hope this helps and I hope everybody gets 100 so that's it <laughs>